0: We're going to be talking about the temptation of Jesus. I really have been stirred to, to work on this message for quite a while. And you know when you study something, it just kind of takes on a life of its own. It just, you get so many different things from it. So this will probably end up being a small mini-series. But I, I want to start tonight, with, and I believe that the Lord wants us to know tonight that where we struggle at with temptation is identity. You know, sometimes if we get into a mix and we don't understand our own identity in Christ, we will fall into temptation a lot easier. You know, Satan duped the first family in the beginning of time. And he used temptation to do it. Remember, Satan came after the federal head of mankind, which is Adam, right? He came for Eve and he came for Adam. And now we produce sons of Adam. So and, and, so to know that, it happened at the fall. We lost our identity as children of God. We're not all children of God. You have you have to be born again. We're all God's created beings, but we're not all his children. You become his child when you enter into a relationship with Jesus. And then God is our father. Now, I don't think that it's coincidence that the first time Jesus and Satan meet in the gospels that is written, it's met with temptation. You see, in the, fir- the first time that Adam and Eve met Satan, it was in the garden. And I want you to keep this in mind. Think about the garden. I want you to just look at the garden because this will make sense in the latter part of this message. Now, there are intense bombs and in, 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 in shots being fired at you all week long. Right? Right? Think about this. Many just walk through the spiritual park ho-humming. They have no idea or they're not mindful of all of these fiery darts that are coming at us because this is the mindset that many have. Well, I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. What does it matter? You see, there is a battle that is raging and it's a battle of the wheels and the, the battleground is our soul. We are always being pulled back and forth from good to evil, right? How many times throughout the day do you end up in a battle in the mind, acting out in front, of, in front of others? That battle that rages when you lose your temper and you're like, man, where did that come from? That's the battle. There's no neutral ground. And it's a fight to the death. We will fight until the end because It's the battle of the flesh versus the spirit. But listen, we are victorious because Christ is victorious. Since the beginning of time, our adversary has been on the world stage. And it it does not matter if you are a king, if you are a peasant. It does not matter your gender. It does not matter your race. You and I are a target for the prince in power of darkness. Satan, or the enemy of our soul, because it's not always just Satan, it could be his minions, are always stoking the fire that is already there, right? You, inside of us, we have some things that we struggle with, Th- thought processes, mindsets, different emotions, and all Satan has to do is come and just begin to stoke that flame, so, tonight is basically an overview of what's to come later. Tonight, I want to look at the adversary. I want to look at how, he, how Jesus redeemed our identity in overcoming these temptations, remember, that we lost in the garden. You see, Jesus came and picked up every piece that you and I lost, every piece. Slowly and sh- slow, slowly but surely, we will experience everything that God has for us. You know, we think that Jesus just came and he died on the cross and rose from the grave and, and it just left us victory. But I believe if you look through the Bible, Jesus was faced with the same things that you and I are faced with. And he shows us how to overcome those things. That's why I said... Sh- it, Jesus has given us the victory and there are some things that we still battle with here and it may be slowly but surely we will have the victory. Think about this. He came after Adam and Eve. He came and deceived them. He came to Jeroboam. Remember we talked about this with the pictures. And he and he was duped into starting a new priesthood, which came and totally destroyed the tribes of Israel. They lost their identity like dust in the wind. They still cannot find their tribes, even to this day. He came after King David, remember, and he humiliated him and brought him to his knees. He tempted Samson, and ultimately it led to his death. He came after God's best friend, Abraham. Remember that? He used Job's wife. (laughs) And he's been using wives ever. I'm just joking. (laughs) He uses husbands also. (laughs) Satan will use our children. (laughs) Listen, but he came after the very son of God and lost And it wasn't just a little minor defeat. It was for all eternity to see. Jesus totally dismantled the kingdom and the prince of darkness from the top all the way down to the bottom. The entire Bible can be summed up for the battle of our soul. But our king and conqueror has given us the victory. You see, it seemed hopeless in the garden. Men and women were excommunicated from the garden. All that time to live and to try to work for God's approval. And then came the sacrificial system and the priesthood and all of these things. But then Jesus came and stepped onto the battlefield. Now, with that being said, let's go to the mountains of Judea. And that's what this picture is. It's the mountains of Judea and the places where Jesus walked and where he was tempted. You see, Jesus, through the temptations, took another step of crushing the head of the serpent. For 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus was tempted. And you need to understand, if Jesus would have failed one time, all of us would have been doomed. It's not just a, a cool story. It's, it was literally life and death for us. See, some things that you read in the Bible may seem small, but on the grand scale, it's huge. It's, it's, it's magnificent, the things that Jesus did. Temptation is no light occurrence in our own life. How many of us see it that way? Oh, it's just a mild temptation. Listen, behind temptation's door you do not know what you are opening yourself up to when you give in to temptation you see behind every temptation is the ability for our families to be destroyed behind every door of temptation is a chance for your mission on this earth to be aborted it's not a small thing Satan waited for the precise moment to attack Jesus, and that's exactly what he does to every one of us. He will come for the spiritual jugular when you're at your lowest point to try to finish you off. Jesus lived in constant submission to his father, never failing in thought, word, or deed. Hallelujah to the Son of God. Amen? Jesus was on this earth approximately 30 years and he was about to start his ministry. Think about this. Just as David and Goliath locked horns in the valley of Elah, one greater came to this earth to defeat the spiritual enemy of our soul. Remember, David, David destroyed the physical enemy of the people of God and Jesus came and finished off the spiritual enemy of our souls make no mistake jesus did not come down here to walk around like a hippie or something jesus came down here to make war with the devil to give us victory and to go back to the to heaven and sit on his throne as the righteous king of kings and lord of lords and he has given us all authority you know god has satan on a leash and I always see it this way. Sometimes God will allow you to walk Satan on that leash. Cause we are more than conquerors, right? Cause Christ lives on the inside of us. I hate the devil. So why look at this account? The temptation of Jesus shows us Satan's tactics. It shows us when, how, and why he attacks. It shows us that we can overcome Satan. When Jesus defeated Satan, he showed us how to defeat him. He showed us the weapons to use. And we see that spiritual warfare and temptation is a winnable battle. Tonight, we will see our faith is anchored in a true God who accepts us and has given us identity lost in a beautiful garden to be addressed in a dry desert. Sometimes our greatest revelations about ourselves will come in the desert, not in the plush gardens of your life. When I was being crushed and crushed and crushed, I was loving God more and more and more. And I believe that's the same for you. No matter what you are going through, if you will not quit and raise your eyes to the King of Kings, he will help you, he will guide you, and he will lift you up beyond all of the things that are bothering you. I promise you that. (laughs) God bless you. Now, listen, when we look in the book of Luke, there were no chapters and verses at that time. And I found it very interesting that when Luke begins to write this, there's only two possible reasons that he could have written it the way he did. Number one, to show Theophilus the bloodline of the Messiah. Or number two, I think it's to, to show the backdrop in contrast and context of the temptation of Adam's failure and Jesus' victory. Let me explain it to you. Look in Luke three thirty-eight. It ends with this. The son of Adam, the son of God. But look in Luke 4, verse 1 and 2. And Jesus full of the holy spirit returned from the jordan and was led by the spirit in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by the devil and he ate nothing during those days and when they were ended he was hungry i don't think it's a coincidence that he goes through all of these things the bloodline and instantly, and he ends with adam the son of god and then starts with the real son of god the second adam amen Now, we'll get into the temptations later, but basically, they were command this stone to become bread. It was, I will give you all authority if you bow down and worship me. And the third one, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. See, temptation can be traced back to one motive, and it was for Jesus to betray God and abort the mission. And that's exactly what Satan does to every one of us. He is slowly fueling us, fueling our thoughts, fueling what's already there to try to get us away from God. He'll take everything that we go through, every time it didn't work out, and he'll say, look at your God. Look at what God is allowing to happen. And what's happening is that emotion begins to fuel. And then many people just walk away from God. See, any temptation is not a small thing. It's designed to destroy us. It is designed to slowly chip away at us, to totally chip away at the plan and purpose of God. See, for these temptations we face, it's often to overwhelm us and to get us to identify with the struggles in life instead of our position in Christ. It's hard to make an impact when you spend your time identifying with your failures, right? It's, it's really hard. I mean, you don't have a lot of courage to go tell someone how Jesus can overcome every battle if you're sinking in your own battle. But that's why it's about position. What Christ has given us, position. When you fail, it's hard to hear heaven say, this is my beloved child in whom I'm well pleased. Remember, this was said of Christ before he did anything. Amen. God has a plan and purpose for each one of us, and Satan knows it, and he wants to destroy us for it. If you are born again, you and I are a child of the most high God. I'm looking at prince and princesses right now in the kingdom of God that are royalty. Some of you woke up this morning not feeling like royalty, I myself included, but I can assure you we are because the Bible says we're seated in heavenly places. We are heirs and joint heirs with Christ. See, we are not our failure. It testifies that we need Jesus. Amen? Remember, Satan was dwelling on the mountain of God until pride was found in his heart. Remember that? He would lead the, the multiple choirs in, in, in heaven and then he started to desire that worship and God grabbed him by the nap of the neck and by the seat of his breeches and cast him out of heaven because he alone is worthy to be worshipped. And then at that time, a third of the angels threw in their lot with Satan and Satan hates the fact that you and I are seated where he was. Amen. And misery loves company. While Satan cannot unseat us, he will try to get us to look at the, the ruins of the footstool of our fallen humanity while we are seated in heaven. That's what he does. Remember, he set his eyes on Jesus to get him to fail. Armed with deceit, he tried to get Jesus to turn stones into bread. Remember, he told Jesus to jump from this mountain trying to get him to commit suicide. This is no small feat. The Bible says that he is the God of this world. Remember, authority was transferred from Adam to Satan. And you see, Satan was trying to get Jesus to align with him, and he does the same thing to us. Satan was trying to get Jesus to identify with a false identity. Remember, we lost our identity in the garden. The whole relationship is not about what we do, but it's about whose we are. We belong to Jesus. Our doing comes from our being. It's it's like this message really came from what Tanya was saying. Miss Tanya was saying from from the Mother's Day sermon about learning to just be, right? Just be a child of God. We don't have to try to work at it. I mean, listen... We are in Christ, right? How did we get into Adam? By one man's failure. Now, the good things that you did during that time did not make you righteous. Now, why, when you flip it all the way over here, one's man righteous act made us righteous. How come a bad thing can take you out of that? Is there more power in righteousness and grace than fallen humanity? Absolutely not. Our very being was enough to send us away from God in the garden. We didn't have to do all kind of things to be outcast, you see. But at the same time, we get to enjoy the presence and power of God because what he's accomplished for us. You see, some t- temptation is always waiting in the wings for the right time, Right? the right circumstance, when those things meet up together, an explosion of flesh happens. How many of you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Knowing is half the battle, as G.I. Joe used to say. When we, look <laughs> when we look at Satan, this is how we see him, as a, as a man in a red suit, right, with a, with a, a pitchfork, and a tail with this triangle thing. And I found it interesting that you know where that came from? Medieval times, Christians knew that Satan's deal was pride. And Satan, I mean, and, and Christians made a caricature of him to make fun of him. To attack his pride. But we have taken it and look at him as just a, a little puppy or something. Satan's desire is to destroy so don't think for one second that he's just some idiot in a, in a, in a, you know, a, a, an outfit walking around just saying boo. Listen, Satan has been on the world stage. He was in Hitler's ear trying to get him to destroy the Jewish people. He has been at, in the head seats of all of these nations that are trying to destroy humanity. Don't think for one second. That you can overpower Satan in your flesh. But I can assure you, no matter what power is thrown at you from the devil himself, you are victorious because Christ is on the inside of you. <laughs> so when you think about it, the early church in the medieval times was coming <laughs> for Satan's ego. I like that. <laughs> so here's some, some thoughts I want to give you on this He's real, the devil is real. There was a real Jesus that, that was led by a real Holy Spirit into the waters of a real Jordan and into the mountains of a real Judean wilderness. If you believe in the Holy Spirit you, and you believe in heaven, you believe in Jesus, you must believe in a real devil. He has a mind. He has a will. He has emotions. So we're fighting against a real enemy. He was created as Lucifer, the bright and morning star. And this led to a war because pride was found in him and he was cast out of heaven. Number two, he's a tempter. The Bible says in Luke 4, 2, being tempted by the devil. His great weapon is temptation. It's an enticement to do evil. Number three, Satan believes in Jesus. This may shock you, but he believes that Jesus is the son of God. Listen, the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to come bread. We read this and we think, well, Satan's questioning. No, in the Greek, it's a fulfilled condition. It really says, since you are the son of God or because you are the son of God, Satan believes in Jesus. And there are people that walk this earth that don't believe. The Bible says that even demons believe and yet they tremble. So it's not just about having head knowledge. You can know that Jesus is the son of God because you were told that in Sunday school growing up, but your heart is far from him. Do you realize that's where a lot of people are? So when we're witnessing and we're telling people, that's what we're coming against. Oh, I know. I know. I believe that. I I know that. Remember, he also knew the word. Satan did not have a King James Bible walking around when he quoted, it is written. He knew the Bible. Many of us, (laughs) I'm going to keep going, don't know the Bible. Don't read the Bible. He rules the world. Jesus called him the ruler of this world. Paul called him the God and the prince and power of the air. Satan also desires worship, and he is worshiped through every, every other religion that does not name Christ. Satan is the one being worshipped. He don't even care if we don't worship anybody but ourselves, as long as we don't worship the king of kings and lord of lords. Satan can work wonders. Remember when God and and Aaron's rod became a, a snake when he threw it down, he empowered magicians to do the same thing. Satan is a liar and the father of lies. Remember when he quotes Psalm 91 and he tells Jesus, if you cast yourself down, the angels will come and pick you up. That's not what the Bible says. That don't mean any time you can do that. It means in the context of what Jesus was going through. It's, that's like saying, hey, if you put if, if you try to go off of a cliff in your car, your foot will not dash a stone. Don't try that. See, Satan gives half truths but listen this is my favorite one he is defeated he is defeated it's one thing for us to be worried about the devil but it's another thing for a Christian to know that that he has no power over us it's really just a matter of what we listen to if we listen to the spirit of God we will walk in the spirit of God and if we listen to the flesh we will walk by every prodding that happens in our lives The battle rages in the wilderness of our hearts. We will be attacked in the dry places of life. When Listen, when you get so frustrated and you begin to contemplate your faith, you are primed for an attack from the devil. So I want you to understand, during those times of frustration, stop what you're doing, get on your knees and seek understanding and wisdom and keep moving forward. Because Satan will begin to prod every negative thing that he can throw at you. He would say, well, if God is love, why did this? If God is life, why did he allow miscarriage? All of these answers will come at you, and you just stand up and say, the Bible says that God works all things out for my my good and for his glory. It's the power of the scriptures. Let's look at the target and timing. Satan came after the very king of kings, and he will come for us. Remember, Satan even went to God's throne to try to knock him off the throne, but that would never happen because he's all powerful. Think about this. He comes at this grand moment. Many times Satan will come after something has been done right, after a great witnessing opportunity, right? After a great time in church, you're in the presence of God, and then you pull out of here, and you and your wife or kid or whatever starts arguing, and you're like, man, What's the point, right? Because we're looking at our emotional state. See, Jesus leaves the Jordan River where he was just baptized. Think about this. This is amazing. Jesus walks off the banks of the Jordan and walks through the water. And John, probably in awe of the glory of God, because remember, he said, Behold the one who takes the sin of the world away. The very heavens open. And something like a dove descends, and the voice, the thunderous voice of God says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Could you imagine how amazing this would have been? And then Mark, as he often says in his gospel, immediately he was led off into the wilderness. Think about this. Jesus left the dove to find the devil. The heavens opened and the gates of hell opened. And then he, is, he goes off into, into this, the, the mountains of Judea. And he is attacked by Satan himself. The same devil who came after Jesus when he was just a baby. See, normally when you walk through something and you've given somebody advice, don't be surprised if you meet up with that very situation in your own life. I know many times messages happen by what I'm battling or what I'm about to battle or what someone else is battling. I'm telling you, you will be challenged when you stand up for righteousness. So I want to say this. It could be in a, where you're in a low spot that the devil comes for you, and it could be in a high spot where the devil comes for you. The fact of the matter is these things happen because he's seeking whom he may devour. And if we would just tap into the identity that he has given us through through Jesus Christ and our power over him, we are victorious every time. Listen, he will also piggyback on grief. He will piggyback on, on sickness, and he will try to drive you out. Remember, Jesus was tempted for 40 days and 40 nights, and some scholars say that that happened the entire 40 days and 40 nights because it's present tense. Could you imagine that? If Jesus was tempted for the full 40 days and 40 nights, oh my gosh, imagine that. We just see three times. But Jesus was victorious all of those times, either way. number Now let's look at this. Why did God allow this tempting? Jesus was led by the Spirit. I believe it was to prove his righteousness and sinlessness. I believe it was to, to show us that Jesus succeeded where Adam failed. Remember, their identity was doubted. That's why they went in the in the ditch. Because Satan said, "If you're like God, right? If you know God is trying to hold out on you, right? God is God God loves you. God's all this and that, but there's this area right here and he knows That if you partake of this fruit, you will be like God. Identity crisis, number one. She was already like God, made in his image. Remember the bait. That's the bait. Mistaken identity will cause a fall. Now we're in the guts of the message. Amen. We should be towards the end. Now we will see... Adam and Eve failed during this time, but Jesus came and restored. The Bible calls him the second Adam, which means where we fell, Jesus came up and rose and gave it back to us. It was a small victory that led to the ultimate victory. It was walking on the back of the snake to eventually grab a shovel and sever its head. That's why when you read the Bible, you see all of these times that Jesus is defeating and defeating and defeating the devil, defeating evil. And ultimately, when you get to the end, he completely smashes the devil. (laughs) Now, for us, temptations tell us a lot about ourselves. When we fall in temptation easy, it takes our spiritual temperature. See, God knows where we are. He just wants us to know, right? How many of you know exactly what I'm talking about? You have times when you battle and you like, praise God. And you have times and just like, you can't get your footing. That's normal if you're a card-carrying member of the Christian But also it was an opportunity to show the grace of God. Listen, in my strongest moments of weakness and failure and and disappointment, I sense God's greatest grace ever during those moments. The problem is we're not looking and not listening for God to do those things. We're so worried about what we do and where we are, but he has given us all authority. That means he's given us authority over our mind, over our will, and over our emotion. We just submit it to Christ, and we keep moving forward. There's no probation period where you got to work yourself, work your way back. Jesus has given us the ultimate victory. We repent, and we move forward. Now, look at the three areas of temptation. Listen, Jesus was never tempted to run a red light. Because it says that he was tempted in every way. What does this mean? He was tempted in three categories. I want to give you just a brief overview. First John 2.16, it says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father but from the world. Remember, the Bible says that Satan is the God of this world. Now, here's where we get into the identity aspect. And I really think if you begin to understand that, the light bulb will go off. Our our identity is rooted in the fall. But when Christ came and won that battle, our identity is rooted in Christ. Listen, if our identity is rooted in the ground of fallen humanity, we will grow and succumb to the values of this world and what the world says you need, right? But if our identity is rooted in Christ, then that means we're rooted in what heaven says. And the Bible says in in Peter, like I read earlier, he has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. That means he has given us all things. Every desire, every need, every possession, every core longing, every insecurity is in the realm of all things. In other words, he has given us victory over all those things. Now look at these from an identification point of view. Jesus' first temptation was the lust of the flesh. Lust of the flesh is we are tempted to do sensual gratification, immorality, right, violence, etc. Things we want to do. I'll say it like this: things we do wrong. Stone turn stones to bread. That was instant gratification. Now look at the second temptation: lust of the eyes. Temptation to have more, coveted, coveting, not being content, materialism. He, Jesus, when Satan said, look at all the kingdoms of this world, what he was saying is, look at what I have and you don't. Or look at what we want to have. So the ideas from the world system is, look what they have and I don't. So it enrages this thing to go and get it. Because listen, it's nothing wrong with trying to make a living and trying to be the best at what you're doing. But if your identity is ruined, it becomes idolatry and it throws us in the ditch. Jesus' third temptation, the boastful pride of life, this refers to temptation to elevate ourselves, to step over people to get what we want. It's rooted in what we want to be, and we want it at all costs. And the ultimate root of that is pride. Now remember, Jesus already had these things in the heavenly realm. That's what I want you to see. He, was already, he already has all the kingdoms. He's just allowing the devil to do what he does for a small time. And it all furthers the plan of God. So he didn't need to appeal to the worldly things because he already had them in the heavenlies because his identity was rooted in who he was before he ever healed blinded eyes, before he went to the cross, before he healed the leper, before he raised the dead. He was already approved by God. An identity crisis plus temptation will give failure. Now look in Genesis. It says this, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the the garden. But God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will surely not die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, right? And you will be like God, knowing good from evil. Now, I read that because I wanted you to see how it plays out in in Genesis and with Jesus. The lust of the flesh. She saw the fruit was good to eat. Jesus saw these stones and they could have been bread. That would have been good to eat. The lust of the eyes. She saw it was a delight to the eyes. She saw it and wanted it. Jesus saw the kingdoms of this world. Inside of him, that would be enticing if you and I were were Jesus. But with Jesus, he already knew. He's identified, I am the king of this world. Number three, the boastful pride of life. She saw that it was there to make her wise. But Jesus would have been tempted This is the temptation to be worshiped as a great man. Listen, the very things that you and I battle with are the very reasons we worship Jesus for. Rooted in identity gives us the power to just be. Just be what? Approved, content, loved, accepted, right? Jesus knows this because his father approved him. And when you're in Christ, you're not in the rat race or the treadmill. That's all it is. The rat race is just a treadmill. You're you're running and running and running, but you're not going anywhere. Until you are rooted in Christ and his plans and purposes begin to flourish in your life, then you are really living. Then you are soaring on wings of eagles. You see, we, we succumb easy to temptation Not because God's not all powerful. Not because his grace is not enough. It's because it's not fulfilling to us because we don't value it. He's given us all things. I want you to understand that and see that. There is nothing that he has not given us. Nothing. Everything God has for us, he has given it to us in the person of Christ. Every provision that you and I would ever need was given at the cross. We just reach out and take it and cast down the thoughts that try to tell you that that's not true. Acceptance behind closed doors gives us confidence against the flesh. It's like Miss Tanya said, learning to just be. That's where we struggle. That's the fight of faith, really. Right? Man, we're on this... Up, down, up. We went to church Sunday. We felt God's presence. Man, Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, we took a nap, woke up in a bad mood. I must not be the righteousness of Christ. Right? That's what we do. We go from pillar to post in our Christian walk, and God is saying, hey, over here, just be my child. See, true growing in faith is growing not so much in knowledge, but knowledge of our relationship and identity in Christ. The scriptures are not there for us to pull out and start swinging them at each other and judge. It's there for us to say, wow, this is God. And this is what God says about me. Then we are floored because we don't feel it. And then God begins to work the spirit in us to where we start to identify. But then we fall and Satan says, hey, this is who you are. And we say, no, devil. Jesus said, this is who I am. How many times a day? Does Satan say, you're not good enough? God doesn't love you because of this. I'm telling you, that is the voice of the prince of darkness himself. You need to close your ears to that mess and understand that Jesus paid a high penalty, not for us to scrape through life, but to conquer everything that comes our way. And I know the battle is hard. Trust me. But you have been guaranteed victory and power like the world has never known. So we have to reach out by faith, receive it, apply it, and walk like it. You need to think like it. You need to talk like it. You need to act like it. Right? (laughs) Now listen to this as we close. The lust of the flesh. The devil said to him, if you're the son of God, command these stones to become bread. And this is what the devil will do. He'll say, since you're a child of God, you can do this and this and that, right? Then he will flip it on you and say, you're supposed to be a child of God. Look at what you did. He is constantly flipping the jar, so to speak, and he's using it for his advantage. Meanwhile, God's in heaven saying, hey, don't listen to him. Don't listen to him. Don't identify with that. Which this brings us to our identity crisis, number one, because we only have three, so we are getting out of here. (laughs) Which brings us to, I am what I do. Performance. We can get performance driven, not for the kingdom of God, but for the kingdom of me. We need something to deaden our selfish ways instead of laying them at the foot of the cross. It's like we want that and we want to feel good. Listen, walk away from the things that are pulling and tugging. Walk away from the mindsets that are speaking at you and start to declare the word of God over ourselves. Listen, I do this too. I fall into these situations where I'm like, and you're supposed to be a Christian, much less a preacher. How stupid are you? And then I just say, you know what? I don't know why God chose me. I don't know why God also chose a donkey. But this is where God has me, and this is what God wants me to do, and He would say the same thing to you. Whatever God has called you to do, don't let the devil try to throw you in the ditch, right? You're the righteousness of God in Christ. When you're in Christ, you walk, you can walk with your head held high, with your sword in your hand and shield, and you can expect victory every single time. Amen? Satan will tell you, you are what you do, whether it's good or bad. He'll puff you up so high where you think you're the greatest thing on the face of the earth, and then he'll cut your legs out from under you, and you'll feel like you're an invalid. (laughs) Number two, the lust of the eyes, Luke 4, 5, and 6. And the devil took him to a high mountain, uh, took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And he said to him, to you, I will give all this authority. And this glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. Look, the pompous arrogance in this statement. In other words, I have value based on my status or what I have possessions. I am my possessions. Then that puts us in the rat race again. Our society places so much emphasis on what we have from a child. You don't have the toy little Johnny has? You don't have the car so-and-so has. You don't have the guest jeans that so-and-so has. jeans I just dated so. And listen, I know this because I'm one of those ass seen on tv dudes. If you tell me that a vacuum will suck up a cinder block, I'm buying it. You have to live in the right subdivision, right? You have to have the right job, the right title. Number three, the boastful pride of life. And he took him to Jerusalem and set him on a high pinnacle of the temple and said to him, since you're the son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you. And on their hands, they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. Now, Satan was warning Jesus to throw himself down for all to see. No doubt to say, man, look at this. Look what God has done. And and maybe everybody would worship him. That probably sounds good. Sounds like a great gesture, but it was not what God wanted. In other words, I am what other people think, my position in life. That's the boastful pride of life. So if you look at all of these areas, Jesus did not do what he did to become popular in the world's eyes. If that was the case, he'd have linked up with the Pharisees and been popular in that little cesspool of legalism. Jesus would not be checking his Instagram, seeing how many he likes right now. He, would, he, he may have Instagram, <laughs> but he's not identifying with, man, I only got three likes. Nobody likes me. That's ridiculous. Like they always say, don't live by someone's highlight reel. Now, I, wanna, I want you to stand, and I just want to ask you, how many of us deal with these, these three areas, performance, Possession, popularity, or position. Listen, there's nothing wrong with these things. But if you're doing these things to be right with God, you will go in the ditch every time and you will be on the treadmill of religion instead of the world. It's one thing to be on the world in the the, the the treadmill of the world, but it's another thing to think you're doing the right thing with God and we're not getting anywhere because we're not learning to just be. And I'm not saying you take a vacation in your Christianity. What I'm saying is you just begin to receive from the Lord and walk that out. And when you fall, when you when you mess up, when you have a bad week, don't throw your salvation in the trash and feel like I got to go do it again. I got to be right again. Listen, you are right because Christ has made you right and your faith in him is applied to you. It's the greatest transaction ever. Now, we may deal in the this earth with those type of thoughts because the earth is, the, the world is programmed to think that way. But we have to break through that mentality. Listen, I want to, I told you, remember the garden. Look in John 20, verse 15 and 17. Jesus said to the woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener. She said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him. And I will take him. Imagine this. Lord, where have you taken Jesus? And Jesus said to her, Mary. Think about that. The very words that spoke this world into existence. The the voice that said, John. The voice that said, peace be still, said Mary. And she turned and said, Rabboni, which means teacher. And then he said, do not cling to me for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go tell my brothers and, and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. In a garden, in the genesis of time, we lost our identity. Christ died on Calvary, rose again. Listen, Jesus paid for our penalty at the cross, but rising from the tomb was evidence that God accepted him as the right, as the sacrifice, but it's also evident that he has sacrificed, that he has looked at the sacrifice and accepts us. That's why the Bible says when we are baptized the Christ, we're raised to walk in the newness of life. This is what I want to tell you tonight. Keep that worldly identity in the tomb and walk in the newness of life and identity that Christ Died to give us. Listen, it does not matter what imperfect people think about you when a perfect God thinks highly of you. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. I want to pray for you. How many of you can say that I am still in Adam? I have not received the salvation of Christ. I just want you to lift your hand and I just want to pray with you. I just want to pray with you. You don't have to be shy. Just, just slip your hand up, and I'm going to pray that God would invade your soul with his power and presence and peace. I see your hand. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Heavenly Father, all of you pray it. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you right now that you have paid the penalty for my sin. I repent. I ask you to forgive me for all the things I've ever done. I receive the gift of pardon. I thank you that I am a child of God, that I believe that Christ died and was risen again on the third day. I am saved. I'm a child of God. I'm born again. Help me live for you. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Praise God. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Thank you, Jesus. Listen, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, we just simply want you to grab this card. There's a green strip on the top of it. Just fill it out. We just want the record of it. That way we can pray for you. We're not going to harass you or anything like that. We also want to say, if this is your first time here, you can go into the info center and we have a free gift for you. Especially if you've given your life to Jesus and we want to help you on your journey. Amen. Let me pray for the rest of you. Father, in Jesus name, Lord, I thank you that I believe this message has penetrated the hearts and minds of your people. God, I thank you for our our identity in Christ. God, I ask that you would allow them to walk in that identity with power and grace and might. In Jesus' name, I pray and ask. And the church said, amen and amen. Praise God. If you need prayer, we'll be up here for you. God bless you. Good night.